made my way in this morning, and you guys still came. Thank you for coming today. Pastor Mike is off doing some kingdom business this morning and asked me to fill in. How many of us know why Pastor is about kingdom business? And he's about going somewhere where it's 60 and not negative 12 today. But anyhow, so I grew up with a gearhead. My dad and I uh, built a, when I was about 15 years old, we built a 1968 convertible Camaro. Got any gearheads in here? Anybody? Muscle cars? All right. So it had a 396, a four-barrel carburetor, mutsy four-speed transmission, and a nine-bolt forward rear end. It was made for acceleration. That sucker had pinned my hair straight back. I could go down the road and it just phew. Not quite as much anymore, but my little brother, you guys know the drummer? It's actually my wife's little brother. He's quite a bit bigger than I am now, but he likes to make all these jokes about me all the time about bald eagle this and bald eagle that. He does this little caca, which is a crow. It's not even an eagle, but anyhow. He also likes to compare me to this cartoon character named Caillou. Does anybody know him? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for laughing about that. Yeah. But maybe your thing's ATVs. Growing up in 2005, I bought a brand-new Honda 450R. Had a Leo Vinci pipe on it, 83 mile an hour down the highway. Some things in life are a little better fast. When I was in the Marines, I got to work on the, uh, it was called the AH-1TAC Zulu. It was the brand-new four-bladed Cobras. They have twin T700 turbine engines on them, rated each one at 2,000 horsepower. A max speed of 230 mile per hour. Faster is often the preferred way. I was thinking about this, and, and our topic for this month is acceler Accelerate. And the topic for today is Accelerated Healing. I think it's safe to assume that we all prefer healing to happen faster, not slower. You ever busted your knuckle, especially in the winter right now and your hands are all crusty and dry like mine? That sucker won't heal for nothing. Every time you bend it, you grab something, you bump it, it's bleeding again. Or maybe you're walking through your house down the hallway in the middle of the night and you stub that little darn toe right there on that corner trim. But if you bite your cheek, a couple days later you know it's there anymore. You don't remember because our mouth heals really fast. Back in the 90s, my dad had steel put from about here to here, and uh, about a year he was on bed rest and or uh, light duty. Nowadays, you're up the next day walking around. They actually make you get up and start walking around. Healing can be slow or accelerated, and we play a part in the process. I want you to listen really careful to this scripture. It's amazing and explains what Jesus did for you and I. In Isaiah 53, Four through six, it says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus did all that for us. Everything he went through on the cross, 
had you, he had your name in mind 2,000 years ago. I think the thought of that is just amazing. That something that I can do today is paid for already. Our first topic is the event of injury. Everyone has experienced an injury, whether it was a scraped knee as a child or a bad disc in your back as an adult. You might have had a car wreck that had a lasting injury. You might have fallen chasing a squirrel up a tree, grabbed his tail, and the limb underneath you broke. That was my middle brother. True story. He didn't get the squirrel. But we could do this all day, but basically there's no shortage of ways for us to hurt ourselves or to be hurting by others. What about the injury that can't be seen? One that can't be hidden under a bandage? One that antibiotics can't heal? It can't be stitched, and it can't be glued. What if the worst thing that has ever happened to you haunts your dreams, plagues your minds with doubt, shame, guilt, bitterness, insecurity, or embarrassment? Maybe the damage was physical or sexual abuse. Your parents maybe never showed you any affection growing up. Your dad might have slapped you around a bit. You might have been bullied by your peers. This trauma is no less severe than the bruise seen. The emotional damage forced on you by another most often lasts much longer than the physical bruise itself. This type of bruise can lead to a life looking through a lens of trauma and not victory. It might keep you from fully loving and trusting your spouse. It prevents forgiveness. It makes us prideful, smothered in shame, drowning in guilt. It can lead to depression and self-doubt. It ends with you feeling like life is better off without you. As horrible as these actions are, and as life-changing as they can be, there is one place to put that anger. The first part of John 10.10 says the thief does not come except to kill and to, uh, to steal and to kill and to destroy. In Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against you and I, but, we, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Simply put, we are fighting the devil and his minions. Most of the time when we have a real bad problem with somebody or a beef with somebody, it is something that's inside them. It's not who they were created to be. The first part of John 10.10 and Ephesians 6.12 reveal the secret attacker, the strategist, and the one with motive. So when you wonder to yourself, how could they do that to me? Or why me? Remember, we do not have to be friends with the offender, but there is an enemy. There is an enemy. Not an enemy. I think that's in the ocean. Pulling the strings, creating disaster and chaos in their life as well. God did not create them to be a monster, but he created them to have a heart full of love, peace, and joy. But through trauma and manipulation, most likely as a child, they have lost their way. And they continue to carry that trauma until they went from victim to victimizer. Given into a life of sin and destruction, this is the ruthless circle that must be broken. The curse that is being passed down from one to another can stop, and it must, and it can stop with you. The second point for today is the effect of injury. 
When trauma is swept under a rug or shut away inside, we learn to mask and tolerate the feelings, mostly. But the influence it has in your life can pop up at a moment's notice. An emotion of insecurity may lead to a quick defense over the smallest of things. Guilt can rise anger at a moment's notice. Shame brings depression. Unworthiness might keep you from reaching God's best for you. It might have made you yell at your spouse. It might have created a short fuse for your children. Maybe you can't take corrections from friends, family, at work. It probably keeps you from being vulnerable to the ones we love. Your heart might be hard as stone with no compassion or empathy. The effects of trauma can bleed over into any and every situation and relationship, wreaking havoc like a hurricane everywhere you go. Emotional trigger is defined as anything, including memories, experiences, or events that sparks an intense emotional reaction regardless of your current mood. So you could be driving down the highway in your 1968 Camaro with your hair flapping in the wind, and something goes wrong. You see something. Somebody says something. The radio might even be it, but something triggers you. And you start to have a, a spiraling emotion just heading down. One of my least favorite parts of trauma is the trigger because it takes your emotional power and gives it to somebody else. The other might not even know they have it. But much like that of a trigger of a firearm, once pulled, there's no going back. I was, uh, I had a buddy that we was out in California together stationed in the Marines. And once we got out, he was from California in the Bronx, right? New York, yeah, the Bronx, right? George was. And we were out shooting some skeet. Because I thought that would be pretty cool, and I thought he was in the Marines, so he knew gun safety like I knew gun safety. But what I didn't think about is I also grew up with him. And we're sitting there, and he has my, my shotgun like this, and I mentioned something about the safety. And instead of taking it up into both arms like this, where you could see what he was doing, he tried to reach for the safety while going through the trigger well. Instead of pressing the safety, he pressed the trigger. And there was about a baseball-sized hole right next to his foot. Couldn't take that one back. But I can tell you what I did do. I was like, I think we're good shooting skeet today. I think that's plenty. Let's go put the guns up for today, you know. But much like that round that was shot in the ground, once we react to trauma, once anger takes control, there's no taking that back either. When that trigger is pulled, be aware of where it's pointing because the enemy has crafted it to be a lethal weapon against the ones we love. That's normally where we, where we point that thing, Right? We seem to be able to control ourselves at work and at school, but at home it's a lot harder when we're comfortable. The deal is the enemy likes to isolate us from the ones that truly love us with the love of Christ. Why do you think it's so easy to become church hurt? Because that's what the devil wants. He wants to isolate us. I was watching this video uh, there's a little short clip on YouTube of a baboon, and uh, it was chasing a lioness. Pretty weird, right? You think it'd be the opposite way, but that's what she did. She let the baboon chase her, and obvious, I guess uh, baboons are optimistic. No, that ain't right. But anyhow, they they will take the chance to eat meat if they can. 
So here goes a little baboon chasing the lioness. And if the baboon would stop, and the lion would stop. And then the baboon would keep chasing. And then the lion would stop again when it stopped. And they did this little cat and mouse game. The lioness played right along with the baboon. Until she got it pulled away far enough, away from its group and closer to her pride, or the group of lions. Once the baboon was isolated, it didn't stand a chance. It had been manipulated away from all that loved it and all that cared about it. And lastly, the baboon became cat food. The enemy's attacks are very similar to that of the lioness. He lies and makes you think you can do it alone. Your plan will work. Then he draws you away from all your support, all your loved ones. And once you're alone, he is the loudest voice in your head, telling you a multitude of lies. And lastly, nothing stands between you and devastation. Our third point is the promise is healing. In Isaiah 53, 4, we read, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. The word sorrow there in the text is, uh, means pain of a physical or a mental type. And verse 5 says, and by his stripes we are healed. The phrase here deserves a little closer look. It does not say we might be healed. Well, just hope and wish that you'll get healed today. It doesn't say cross your fingers, it could happen. No, it says you are healed. Jesus already paid for it. That's why it says it that way. It's been paid for. All we have to do is receive it. In John 10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But the second part of that says, I have come yet they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Focus in on what Jesus is doing. It says, I, Jesus, have come that you and I may have life and that you and I may have it more abundantly. We have all felt the wrath of the enemy who has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But have we felt the embrace of the one who has come, Jesus, so we can live life abundantly? The word abundantly in Greek is parisios, meaning exceeding, over and above, more than is necessary, and extraordinary. Jesus has come so you can have more in life than is necessary. He has come so you can experience abundance. He has come so you can have a life exceedingly greater than we could even imagine, right? In Psalms 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And then again in Isaiah 40.31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's where Pastor Mike needs to be up here. You know, yeah. God has a plan to mend your heart, to bandage the wounds of the enemy, to renew your strength. He has a plan to get you out of the situation, a plan to strengthen you supernaturally. He does not want you to be alone. His plan is actually quite the opposite of that. He puts people in our lives that want to see us succeed, not people that want to drag us down, not people that don't want us to do better than them, right? And if the church has hurt you, I want to apologize. That was never God's intent. The church is meant to be a place of refuge, to show you love and kindness, 
and forgiveness, patience. So please don't give up trying. Don't listen to the whispers of the enemy trying to distract you and deceive you. Don't let the enemy separate you from worship. His word says, you shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. God has given you some strength for this race. Be strong and wait on the Lord. Our fourth, our fourth point, a new life has begun. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That word behold there is like, wow, look at that. You know, I don't know. But it's, it's like a, a moment of like, pay attention to it. Look at this. Something big's about to happen. You need, you need to pay attention to this second because it says all things have become new. That's you and I. Once we accept Christ, all those old things are gone. It tells us what Jesus, it tells us what happens once we accept Jesus. Once we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and turn our will over to him, everything changes. It says you are a new creation, completely different than you once were. Old behaviors, they get to die and go away. Old habits are now replaced with new ones. Hurts, shame, guilt, fear, we can let them rest now. We can let go of them. Today can mark the day to a new beginning where hurt and trauma are seen through the back glass instead of the windshield to the future. Trauma no longer has to lead the way. So when the enemy starts to try and remind you who you were, we can remind him who we are now. So many times we go through something and we find healing in it. And then the enemy will look at us and say, I know what you did. You guys remember the movie, like, I know what you did last summer? That's kind of the way the enemy is with us. Oh, you want to go to church and you want to, you want to be a leader? Well, I know what you did back when you was 15 years old, right? I know what you did when nobody else was paying attention. I seen what was on your computer screen. I knew you was addicted. He knows the laundry list of the things that we do. But once we accept Christ, it all becomes new. It all starts to change. In Romans 8, 37 through 39. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing you have done, nothing you have been a part of, been a victim of, no lie, no violence, no trauma, no sin can keep you from God's love and grace. Our fifth point today is the 
the testimony. Maybe you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you have no idea what I've been through. I have seen the worst. I've been through the worst. I've done the worst. There's no way you can relate to me. There's no way you can stand up there and say that that God can take care of everything that I've been through. Your life might feel like mission impossible. Everything and everywhere you go seems impossible. It may feel impossible to embrace the love and affection from a spouse. It might feel impossible to earn the pride of a parent or a guardian. Feeling accepted, respected, and appreciated might seem unattainable. Never having a feeling of accomplishment or a job well done. Most of these I have felt. I have felt trapped. I have been surrounded and yet felt alone. I have feared the past and the future. I've even feared that the past would become the future once again. Part of our testimony began on November 9th, 2020. My life as I knew it was about to turn upside down. Infidelity has stricken my marriage after 10 years. To most, the beginning of the end had just begun. But that wasn't God's plan. God had a, hand, a, a plan to heal our broken hearts. A plan to erase the scars of past trauma. He even had a plan to heal the new wounds of distrust, fear, anxiety, depression, unworthiness, a plan of restoration and not of destruction. His plan was precise and calculated, moving people in and out as necessary, putting several very strategic people into our lives, corrective, encouraging, non-biased, and loving people. See, once we get to the place we can put it in God's hand, he has a little better plan than what we can come up with, doesn't he? He even gave us a group to be a part of for our healing. When it seemed unbearable, he gave us endurance and perseverance. We could run and not grow weary. That was a tough part. And we did feel tired sometimes. Sometimes we felt like giving up. God protected our children as well. When we weren't in a place to protect our children, to, to always think of their best interest, and God knows we didn't always do it, He protected them. He guarded them from us. In 2 Corinthians 12 9, and He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect through weakness. Very gladly, therefore, I will rest in my weakness, so that the strength of Christ may dwell in me. I've not heard many men say, I'll rest in weakness. Anybody ever said that? Any man in here? 
well, I'm just feeling pretty weak right now. I'm going to go rest in it. It wouldn't make sense, right? From a, from a human standpoint, that would never make sense to let yourself rest in a place of weakness. But the word says, for my strength is made perfect through our weaknesses. I realize that through this process, when you give up fighting your way, when you recognize you're not sufficient and accept your weakness and look up, that's when God can say, I've got you right where I need you now, son. I've got you right where I need you now, daughter. He says, watch this. Let me work. God put our healing process on what seemed to be like fast forward. He accelerated our healing. Our marriage had sin in it. But when we gave it over to Christ, he made it new. God healed me. He healed my wife, he healed my children, and he healed us together. He took us out of the muck, out of the muck, and set our feet back on a firm foundation. He changed our trajectory from failure back to victory. That's what he can do for us. See, so often when these things happen to us, our trajectory gets set on failure. It gets set on hurt. It gets set on trauma. And we just keep walking back in the same trap over and over and over again. But God says, I'm going to change your trajectory. I'm going to point you towards victory. But I still had something I had to do. I can remember it vividly. I was, uh, I was walking down the road just covered in hurt. And... Uh, I was just praying, and I can remember that I felt a distance from God. There was, there was like a barrier in between us. And as I walked, I prayed, and this came on to me. You have to forgive. I'd forgiven my wife. I loved her. That was so easy. I mean, it was hard, but it was easy. I loved her. I'd given 10 years of my life to her. But the gentleman was much harder. I struggled with that one. And as I walked down the road, probably close to a two-mile journey, I tried to say it. I may get out one word. I might get out two words. Every word tastes like vinegar coming out. It was horrible. But once I finally got to the spot, and I finally just pushed it out, and I said, I forgive him, something changed. That gap that was once there, it closed in some. See, I'd removed a wall, a block from God. God moved closer. He knew what I needed. The word says we have to forgive to be forgiven. It doesn't say you have to be best friends. Kick it twice a month or once a year. But we do have to forgive because forgiveness is a vital ingredient to healing. It's essential to healing. Until you take the power out of that person, once you, once you stop giving it to them and you take it back, healing can start to happen. You may look around here sometimes and wonder, why do they cry, raise their hands, jump up and down, skip, push people around the auditorium? 
praising God like no one else is in the room. I may not be able to tell you the reason that they do, but I can tell you mine. When God restored everything the enemy tried to steal from us, I can do nothing but praise him. Because he kept me from ending my life, I praise him. Because God protected my children, I praise him. When I deserved nothing and he showed me abundance, I hold my hands and I praise him. Because God showed up and healed my wife, I can't hold back my tears. Pride will not hold me back any longer. The devil hates my marriage. He hates me. He hates my wife, my children. He hates for me to have happiness. He hates for me to have joy. He definitely doesn't want me to know peace. But God came to give my family life. He is worthy of our praise, no matter what people think of it. If we could have the, the prayer team come up. I believe that God is here today. I know God is here today, right now, and he is ready to do some work in some of your lives. It is time to stop looking at yourself from yours or anyone else's perspective and start looking through the lens of our creator. You were made in God's image perfectly and purposefully. You have purpose. That purpose is not to walk around in hurt and shame and guilt and trauma. That's not the purpose. We're to be victorious. You don't have to live depressed and oppressed, sad or angry. It's time to accept that we are weak. As humans, this is hard. But in that weakness, God can do the impossible. It's time to view the past as just that, the past. It's time to change your story into a testimony of victory. The new road will have some bumps and bruises, but the journey is worth it. I can tell you, we ain't perfect. We still have our moments, and I can still be triggered by this or that. But we know peace, and we know victory. I know people have dealt with this since they were little, and they could be I mean, I've known people in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and even 70s that walk around. They walk around in this hurt their whole life because they never know there's a way out. They never want to share it. They never want to feel that iron sharpens iron. We have to have each other, even when it's uncomfortable. There were some pretty uncomfortable moments when we were healing. There was people that showed up and made me step out of comfort made me step out of hiding because they knew I had to. But people deal with that for an entire lifetime, never, no, never knowing what freedom feels like. Every time they speak of it, they relive it. Flooded with anger and hurt, crying out of pain, not victory. That doesn't have to be your story. Your story can change today. I'd like to ask you all to stand. If you don't mind, 
this. Remember in the beginning I said to you, you play, you play a part in your healing. Now is the time for you to do your part. All you have to do is have faith in God's grace. Believe in his word, the Bible. And no matter the outcome, no matter, trust in God and his plan. You may not walk away from your feeling different instantly. But God's working. You have to know that. You have to trust in his plan. If this message is for you, if you have a past that hurts, or maybe you were the one to hurt others, God wants to destroy you today, to restore you today. He wants you to leave a new creation. He wants to accelerate your healing. Let God accelerate your life. He wants to heal you from the trauma you can't speak of, from the wounds that control your life. No matter how big or small it seems to be, today is the day to be set free from bondage, set free from the chains of the past, set free from depression, anxiety, and fear. Today can be the day. If that's you today, there's something in your head saying or a feeling in your gut that's telling you to walk forward today I ask that you let nothing hold you back if this is you today come on up we want to pray with you we don't have to know your story we don't have to know any details we just want to be able to help and pray with you When it comes to times like these, I've passed up so many opportunities because I'd let pride get in the front of healing. Right now is not a time to let pride take control. God has a work he wants to do. He wants you to go home renewed. He wants you to look back at what happened to you a place of victory not a place as a victim anymore see when we went through what we went through it changed because for so often for, for a while I looked at things and I felt like a victim but once I got on the other side of it and it became a testimony I could share it with people my wife and I have had the opportunity to help people get through exactly what we went through once again I invite you if there's something in your past that has been holding you back if there's something in your past that has been burdening you that hurts when you think about it if you even even speak a word of it you relive it relive an event that could have been 20 or 30 or 40 years ago if that's you come on up